Hey everyone, welcome to the uh, Schoolhouse Rocks podcast here. Uh, my name is Joel DeBarros. I'm the Assistant Director of Special Services here in the district. I'm glad to introduce our guests here today. Uh, my co-guest or co-host, I should say, is over here to my left and uh, let her introduce herself. Hi everyone, I'm Amy Gallagher. I'm the Director of Special Services for the district. Hi everyone, I'm Jen Babis. I'm an elementary occupational therapist in the district. Hi, everybody. I'm Danielle Evans, an elementary speech therapist within the district. That is awesome. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here today. This is uh, really exciting for us to kind of share this message out with our community and our, our, our Roxbury staff and, and families as well. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit today about, you know, a model that we're considering moving forward with the district. It's called the three direct, one indirect model when it comes to related services. Um, you know, where there's a lot of things that a lot of questions I'm sure that'll arise and hopefully we can help kind of help solve and answer some of those questions as we move forward throughout this conversation. You know, I'm going to start off by, you know, having Ms. Gallagher kind of share, you know, what, what kind of prompted some of this, what prompted us looking at to moving towards this model and why we're exploring this moving forward. Yeah, we're really excited about this model and what really prompted it was um, looking at the time within our therapist's day um, and making sure that it's being utilized to uh, maximize the time that they're with students and the time that they have to collaborate with, with their colleagues, their teacher colleagues, their other um, fellow therapists, and planning for their therapy sessions with evaluations and IEP meetings, missing sessions, having to make up sessions. We really wanted to look for a model that allowed for our speech therapists to have more time with the students that's uninterrupted. So when you look at the 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 schedule for any one of our therapists, they are generally seeing students back to back, back to back sessions of individual speech group speech sessions, um, OT, PT, and it doesn't leave much time for collaboration, for really pushing into classrooms to see how students are applying their skills. So we were looking at different models, different uh, ways that we could maximize uh, our, our time with the students, and we came upon this, this model. And we reached out to other school districts that were already utilizing this model to get some information. And what we found is, you know, we think that this is a really good fit for the district and our goals moving forward of, you know, making sure that our students are really applying those skills in the classroom. That's awesome. Thank you, Ms. Gallagher. Uh, I'm going to head over to Ms. Babis and I'm going to ask her, you know, what in, in your research research or in communicating with other colleagues, like what are what are some pros to this model? Like how does this benefit the students? How does it benefit, you know, their growth and development? Well, I think that it benefits because they're still being provided those um, three weeks of those direct pull-out services coming for their OT, PT, or speech sessions, getting some of that individualized instruction. And then it allows flexibility for the therapist to then push into classrooms in that indirect week to see if they're carrying over the skills, um, educate paraprofessionals, teachers, um, parents included, on the skills that we're working on in our therapy sessions to just help increase their outcomes and success in the school environment. Um, if you think about it, we're with them for those 60 or 90 minutes per week, which is a very short time compared to the amount of time that they're at home or in their classrooms. And the more opportunity we have for um, collaborating and communicating with other uh, professionals in the building will in promote their success and carry over. So it sounds like a lot of more quality 
you know, as opposed to quantity of services, right? So, you know, in looking at that too, you know, Miss Miss Evans, you know, from your perspective, why is it important to see that carryover of skills, like those the, those students in in different settings? What what's what's the benefit? So, I'm going to use a prime speech example. Um, when I pull the kids out of their classrooms, I always talk to them in the hallway, even though it's against the rules. And I do that because it is a different environment. So when a child is sitting at my table and say we're working on articulation of the S sound and they know that I'm making eye contact with them, they will specifically close their mouth and pull their tongue behind their teeth because they don't want to get an S word incorrect and produce it wrong. But when we speak in the hallway, they're going a million miles an hour telling me about their weekend or telling their friends, which is also another level um, of the hierarchy, generalizing sounds to friends and adults. And their sounds are typically incorrect because they're not sitting in the room with me knowing that I'm listening for their sounds. Whereas when we push into the classroom using the three-to-one model, I will be able to be remind them to be mindful of not only when they're speaking with their friends and their teachers, but during oral reading tasks or going up and speaking in front of their class on reminders of where to place their tongue or their lips, um, friendly reminders of articulation within their general education classrooms or if they're in their special education classrooms um, and promoting generalization of skills across the school building. Yeah. So essentially, you know, what, what I'm hearing is there's a lot of opportunity, more opportunity to not just see the students utilize those skills that they're learning in, in, in the therapy room or whether individual or small group, but use them more so throughout the day. In addition to that, you know, we're, we're also hearing that you know, there's more opportunity to educate the other people that are working with your students throughout the course of the day, which in turn, they're going to get those skills, you know, provided to them more so throughout the course of the week, throughout the course of a month, throughout the course of a year. You know, so essentially for me, you know, hearing you guys share this, it, it sounds very exciting. Like what excites you about this? Like what's, what are some of the the things that kind of you're like, okay, this is going to be really cool. I can, I can do this or I can see these things happening. I am very excited for it because I really see the importance of working with the teachers directly and working with the paraprofessionals and the people that are spending majority of the time with our students and having that time to be able to push into the classrooms and being able to show them, um, you know, this is how I want them holding their pencil or how I want them holding their scissors or um, modifications that can be made to handwriting paper and handwriting curriculum within the classroom to support students um, who may be struggling with those skills. So you're saying that it's not going to just benefit the students that are on your caseload. In turn, it might help benefit other students that are maybe don't qualify for the service, but maybe they, they are, you know, they do need some reinforcement of those skills. Now you're, as you push in, as you're seeing them, you're providing your expertise, you're having those conversations with those teachers to essentially provide them with some of that skill that maybe they wouldn't get if they don't get they don't qualify for receiving the service as per an IEP. Yes, absolutely. I think there is a gap in students who maybe don't qualify for services or um, who may be having some struggles in the classroom, especially with handwriting and some of those fine motor skills and things like that in our younger elementary grades, where this would be really beneficial for them to have an OT come in and be able to support all of the students and work with the teacher on um, flexible seating or uh, different pencils that they could use to help support them. Um, I know for speech, there's also a lot of ways that um, the speech therapist can also support in the classroom for learning letter sounds and letter identification, um, all of these things that the kids are doing throughout their day that we can now help provide strategies and support for even for students not on our caseload to hopefully 
um, prevent more students maybe needing these services who don't really need them, but would benefit from some sort of strategy or support in the classroom. So we have experts that have this skill set, they have this specialty, and kind of looking a way to branch it out and kind of service more people with it, to kind of share that knowledge with others so that in turn, the students are getting more benefit out of this from the district perspective. Yes. How about from a speech perspective? What is what is your take on this? So piggybacking off with what Ms. Babis said, um, I absolutely think speech could help with our earlier elementary grades um, with reading and writing and how that correlates to sound production. So I have a lot of kindergarten speech friends who produce sounds um, incorrectly that may not need a speech-only IEP. They just need a little bit of extra support of how to make the sound. And through using different techniques um, through foundations or whatever reading and writing curriculum that they're utilizing, speech can push in to help not only the students in the class produce the sound the correct way, but the teacher as uh, educate the teacher as well. Um, so there's different techniques that we can use that incorporate kinesthetic and gross motor movements of how the sounds are pr- produced in the oral cavity that a lot of kindergarten teachers don't know about because it's a speech thing, whereas we can educate our kindergarten teachers and our younger grade teachers on these different movements because they really help the students um, that do come to speech. Um, in turn, we have um, some special education students who are nonverbal who paraprofessionals may need some support and training on how to utilize the students' AAC devices across the building, how they can be incorporated in lunch, um, how to functionally use them in art class to request for, say, scissors or glue um, without waiting and expecting the item to come to them. Um, So I see a lot of benefit of how we can educate paraprofessionals, our special education teachers, our general education teachers. um, And also it provides a lot more exciting time for all related services to collaborate and plan to have really effective integrated groups together. Um, so that's really how I feel it could benefit and that's, something I'm super excited to do. To I, plan I could hear it colleagues. in your voice. That's pretty cool. It, one of the things you brought up, you brought up a good point in regards to um, educating the paraprofessionals that might work with the students or even the classroom teachers when they go to specials, you know, if students are they have specific devices or they have a specific plan when it comes to uh, OT, PT, or speech that, that's relevant to them, you know, using them in those those settings too. Like, we, you know, naturally my mind goes to when we're thinking about the classroom setting, we're thinking about like that, the typical, you know, general education classroom setting, but it's important in art and, you know, we're talking about fine motor. Well, in art, you, you need that fine motor, those skills. And if you're using a communication device or a method to communicate as well, that's important across all the areas. And I think of physical therapy, you know, well, PE, we're talking about physical education. Well, what a great way to see how the kids are progressing or what to see what they're doing by pushing in during that indirect week as well. Um, that's that's exciting. It gets me excited too. And, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up too, we, I don't want to lose sight of the importance of what OT brings to the table because it's not just fine motor development too. We're talking a lot about, you know, what you guys do with self-regulation. You know, is there anything that you would be able to bring to the table when you're pushing in or during that indirect week that would help support that with all a majority of students as well? Absolutely. Um, we have a lot of programs that could be directed um, towards any student to help with self-regulation. Um, one example is the zones of regulation. Um, the indirect week would provide um, us that time to be able to go into the classrooms and implement that program Um, do a lesson with all of the students on the zones of regulation, also for the teacher and any 
paraprofessionals working in that classroom um, that would be able to carry over after um, we've implemented the program and all of the sensory strategies um, that could be used to help children self-regulate. That's very important. I think you know we're we're seeing that more and more that many students need need that help with self-regulation. You know whether they have an IEP or not, and, and it's just a good resource to kind of incorporate with social emotional learning and working with the guidance counselors. Also, another thing that we can collaborate during that indirect week as well. Um, what's what's what? Is there anything that really concerns you about this, or what do you what do you foresee? Maybe a parent, you know, coming back and saying like. Oh, this is this is going to take away services from my kid, or this isn't going to be as valuable. Like, how would you respond to that? Like, how, what would be your input with that? So, if a parent um, had come to me to say that, I would say I understand your concerns and I understand where you're coming from. However, this could offer a lot more time for parent communication, for all related service to find time in our schedule now to update you and see what's happening at home versus what's happening at school to see if there's a gap. Um, it provides time for us to collaborate with the teacher. And maybe try to close that gap between the classroom and the therapy room. Um, in addition to that, it helps us plan with the teacher on how to incorporate different strategies and techniques into the classroom. Um, it also can provide us time to work with your child in the classroom because that's the real goal, right? Not for your child to use these strategies and techniques only in the speech or OT or PT room, but to apply them across all environments and with all different people, both students and adults. And it's, it's also very supportive um, going under the IDEA law, which promotes students working in the least restrictive environment. And this allows us the opportunity to work in their general education or special education settings in their least restrictive environment. Pulling them out for therapy sessions is the most restrictive model. So this allows us to do both, where we are able to provide that direct, most restrictive um, therapy model, but then also be able to go into the least restrictive environment for those students, pushing into the classrooms and collaborating with teachers and with the students and seeing them in their natural educational setting is only going to promote uh, more carryover of skills and improve success and in their school environment. Yeah, and it's, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ms. Gallagher. No, the thing that really excites me, you know, we've, we've obviously got two phenomenal elementary therapists here. Um, coming from a secondary standpoint, you know, playing off of what both Ms. Evans and Ms. Babis said, there's a lot of opportunity with that indirect week for our therapists to go out into the community. One of the big goals um, that we have been successful with uh, over the past few years is the increase in community-based instruction. So allowing our students time outside of the school building to kind of take it to that next level of application, right? Right taking it from the therapy room to the classroom now into the community. Well, a co sending a, a therapist out for a community-based instruction can be very difficult because they're there typically for more than just 30 minutes. So this allows the therapist time to get out into the community, see how the students are interacting, and I think bring some really valuable information back to that therapy session to work on that maybe they hadn't even thought about um, until they saw the student in the community. The other thing that I really think at the secondary level that this model helps with is as students get older, they really don't want to be pulled out. They don't want to be feeling different than their peers. Um, you know, they want to, you know, feel like everybody else. This model helps to not only limit, you know, decrease the amount of time that we're pulling students out, 
but it also gives time for the therapist to push into classes. So that becomes more of a normalized service. So it will no longer be like, oh, okay, this kid has speech. No, we all get to benefit from the speech therapist. We all get to benefit from the occupational therapist because they'll be more commonly seen in in classroom environments. So again, we're trying to destigmatize these supports because they really benefit everybody. Um, and so I think that this model really helps in that way as well. That's very exciting. It sounds like there's like a lot of pros to to moving towards this model or even just bridging the gap on you know what what services can look like, but also kind of bringing everything together, looking at a full picture, the full scope on how to really promote growth and development within students, but not also that, but also with, you know, educating educators, right? Educating teachers, educating parents, being on more open, more communication. And I think that that certainly creates more of a cohesiveness to, to the services that the students get. Um, yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of pros to this and, you know, real quick, if I could just ask you therapists, one, one more question, like in a sentence, what would you say, what, what would you say this, you look forward to this? Like what, what's the most exciting thing about it? Hmm. That's I tough. I know I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot there, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I kind of want, like you shared a lot yeah. of fantastic information, you know, and, and I think it's very beneficial and I think everyone's going to really benefit from that. But for you, I mean, you, you have kids, you, you guys, you know, you're, you're in this, you're seeing this, like what's, what sticks out to you the most as being the most beneficial? I, I truly think it's having more time in the classrooms because I know even this year I have seen students do things in therapy and then I happen to be in the classroom getting another student for therapy and I see them doing the opposite skill. But I'm taking another student for therapy so I don't have time to um, maybe correct or educate um, at that moment. But this would provide me that time to be in the classroom and see what the students are doing and it's only going to enhance their skill development and make sure that they're generalizing and carrying it over and being independent in their classrooms, which is the ultimate goal. Maximizing teachable moments. I love it. How about you, Ms. Evans? I think I'm most excited um, to be able to have time to plan very effective sessions with my colleagues. So with the OTs and PTs and even the teachers. So if we're able to have that time um, to plan and create new um, activities, um, I know Ms. Babis and I, we do integrated groups together a lot and we need new worksheets for the activities we do every week and new materials. Um, being that our caseloads are so heavy right now and we don't have that time, it's hard for us to reinvent the wheel. So this time will allow us to sit down and collaborate more and change our weekly plans um, and be able to make the materials that we have to for our students um, and you know, keep therapy fun and exciting, but maintaining the IEP goals of all of the students and meeting all of their needs. For sure. I think that's the ultimate goal. And I think this, this model certainly allows us to address that in, in more, you know, collaborative ways and also other ways to see them be more practical with their skills. This has been awesome. I thank you guys for joining us here today. Ms. Babis, you know, our district occupational therapist, Ms. Evans, our speech and language therapist, yeah, Ms. Gallagher here with myself, and this has been a really uh, informative. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and we. This is another episode of a uh, Schoolhouse Rocks the podcast. So have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us.